0: Awesome. I think if we can get the hosting team to close that door, I find it—I um, get distracted by it. So we're in a teaching series. Uh, we're going to do Galatians. We're going to get straight into it this morning. I have no idea what the time is. All right. Let's go. So last week we started the series in Galatians. That the, the whole—the whole background uh, and what's going on in this story is Paul has been an apostolic father to to a community. He's gone and he's presented the gospel. Of Jesus Christ, and they've received it. They've received Christ by faith. They they know that the Word says, and they they believe the gospel that you are made right with God through faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. So we also learned last week that then there were Jewish people that came into this community that then were also believers in Christ but wanted to add to it. They said, you know, Paul, he's only preaching for popularity. Uh, He's saying that you don't need the law, you don't need the holidays, you don't need circumcision, when actually he's only preaching a half a gospel. You see, you need faith in Christ, but you need the law. So then what happens is these uh, Galatians begin to be influenced by those that are desperately trying to win them back to the old way of thinking. So Paul, he finds out about it and he can't be there. So he writes a very emotive email. He sends them a letter and, and in this letter you can you can feel the emotion. You can feel the tone. He is upset because he is defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, what happens in the first two chapters? We know that we established a theme that it's relationship, it's not rules. It's not about rules, it's about having a relationship that is genuine with Jesus Christ. But what I love about Paul, and I'm, I'm super grateful, is that the man knows how to argue and how to defend what he believes. Has anybody ever gotten to an argument and halfway through the person you're arguing with, you realize that their argument style is supreme to yours? Give me a wave. I experienced that with my 10-year-old daughter on a regular on a regular basis. You know, often I'll go to her and I'll say, listen, Kiara, mum has said, you know, real leadership there. Um, that you need to turn off the TV because there's time that you go to bed or you've got to do reading or you've got to have a shower. Within five minutes of commencing that conversation with Kiara, I'm explaining to April why she needs more time in front of the TV. Now, I don't understand what happened during the thing, but the, the ability for her to persuade me and rationale, you know, it's quite hard and quite humbling when halfway through an argument with a 10-year-old to go, listen, you're right, but I'm the dad. But what I love about Paul is that he has this ability to be able to rationale the faith. He uses personal experience. He uses historical evidence. He uses the Torah. He uses modern day examples just to reinforce the fact that you just need faith in Jesus to be made right with God. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything added. You don't need rules You need relationship. So what happens now in chapters uh, 3 and 4 is really Paul once again defending what we built upon last week, defending the fact that the law is, was only for a time, the law was only temporary, it only carried a role until Jesus Christ would come and when He would come we would encounter Him and be brought into a relationship with God. You don't need the law, you need Jesus. This is chapters 3 and 4. So let, let's get into it this morning. So obviously it's got here, there's a title in my Bible um, that is faith or works of the law. So what we're going to begin, Paul is still upset. So he's gone from saying, I am astonished. So now he leads into this verse with you foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like just to know one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you'd heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning, everyone say beginning. Beginning. By means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Let's keep reading and I'll come back to that. Have you ever experienced so much in vain? Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain, So again, I ask you, does God give you His Spirit and works miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing in what you've heard? So what's happening right now is he starts off and he says, in the beginning, did you experience the Holy Spirit and experience these miracles by receiving Christ in faith or by the law? Because he already had known that they had received the Holy Spirit. God was doing works in the community. And what he was saying is at the beginning with your founding experience, did you experience the Spirit of God in your life? Was it by faith or was it by law? You know, I think about this and I'm often pondering on the thought that your founding experience will often hold you long term. Do you know recently, I like basketball, there's an Australian uh, player that's a young guy, he's just come into the basketball league in America, his name's Ben Simmons, and this guy is incredible. I I was looking at an article this week that came up that said he might be the first young player, rookie, contracted player in history to knock back a contract extension that's worth over $200 million. Now, I think, wow, you know, but the thing is, is that he's got this core belief in who he is and he wants to be able to determine where he's going to go. And as I was watching an interview on him, it landed on his parents. And his parents said, do you know that when Ben is with us, he's not the superstar Ben, he's just Ben. Because the concept is this, is where he began is going to hold him into where he is going. Now, what's happening in this context is Paul is saying in the beginning, when you experienced the Holy Spirit, did God work miracles in you? Did you experience God's love and God's grace and God's mercy? Because in the beginning, all you did was accept it by faith. Why are you trying to add stuff to it now once you've already had the experience? You know, as I pondered on that this week, I thought about my own life. And about when I first encountered the Holy Spirit, I was 11 years old. I was at a conference in Geelong called Top Gun and uh, God was moving. There was about a thousand young people there and something had drawn me down to the front. I had grown up in church. My parents were pastors and I had been there and been in the, the front row and clapped and sung and raised my hands. But all of a sudden, something was shifting. I was experiencing the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, I felt love like I'd never felt before. Peace like I'd never felt before. And I knew in that moment, as I was right pressed up against the stage and there were people everywhere, I knew I'd spend the rest of my life pursuing the Holy Spirit because of the experience that I had. For me, that was my beginning. And as I've grown, the challenge has been what I try to add to it. So, you know, in the beginning, I was 11. I didn't have an incredible understanding of God's word, a great depth of doctrine or theology. I had an experience with God. And that experience, it held me. Now, I'm not saying that you don't need God's word. I'm about to get into that. But what I'm saying is, it begins with an experience. Often I have said that an experience will never be in submission to an argument because here's the thing is that you can argue with me about the existence of God. I'll never submit to that argument because I have experienced the reality of who God is. How often in life... Are we finding that we've had that first experience? How many people remember that first experience where you're at a conference or you're in a church or you meet Jesus, you're you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden it's like now you need the right song. You know, you need the right tingles going up your arm. Uh, you, You need to be in the right mood. You need to have had enough sleep the night before in order for you to experience the Holy Spirit in the way you did the first time. Why do we need to add to it? Why, why do we need to? See, the thing is, we don't. Because Paul is saying that in the beginning, you experienced the Holy Spirit and miracles amongst you purely because you had faith in Jesus Christ and He'd restored you to relationship with God. Who here, I know I do, desires to, to have that experience with the Holy Spirit like you did for the first time. Give me a wave if that's you. Why don't we stand just for a moment really quick? Why don't we raise our hands? Here's the thing. Why do we need to add music? Why do we need to add a melody? Why why can't we just say to the Holy Spirit right now in this place, Holy Spirit, we want to know You. Holy Spirit, we want You to lead our lives. Holy Spirit, would You walk with us. We open our hearts and our minds and turn our attention to You, Father, because we want more of You. Lord, there is none like You. There is none like you, Father. And I pray that we would almost have a returning to the passion we carried at the beginning. Lord, when we walked away going, something has shifted, something has changed, something has been birthed in my heart because I now know the true God. I have experienced His love. I have experienced restoration to God. And Holy Spirit, we desire that in this place. Holy Spirit, as we sang this morning, Make us new wine, Lord God. Make us a new wine vessel, Lord, that you could pour in something new in this place, Lord God. Lord, we don't want to hold on to the old. We don't want to hold on to what we've added because we know that when you do that, Lord, when you pour in new, we can't hold it. But Lord, when you make us a new wine skin, Lord God, you begin to pour in something. We experience something new. We experience growth. Lord, we want your power. Father, why don't you just begin just for a moment just to thank the Holy Spirit for his presence in your life? Oh Father, we thank you. Come on, church, lift your voice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we love you. We want more of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your seats. So here's the thing. Sammy, you can go to the next slide. Go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. And let's stay there. Personal experience with the Holy Spirit we just talked about. He then goes on to say, he keeps on going. He says, have you experienced so much in vain? If, uh, if it really was in vain, so I asked. Does God give you His Spirit by works of miracles among you or by works of the law or by believing in what you heard? So also Abraham, everyone say, believed God and it was credited to him righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and... Announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. Everybody say, all nations will be blessed through you. That was a great tone. Everyone followed me then. That was awesome. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Uh, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, and it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one relies on the law, is justified before God because the righteousness, uh, the righteous will live by faith. This is verse 12. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Ready for verse 13 and we'll stop there for a moment. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us for it is written, "Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. You know what I love about this portion of scripture is that Paul begins to quote multiple scriptures out of the Torah. See, here's the thing. What was happening is he was using their base. He was using their Bible. He was using what they believe in order to rationale faith in Christ and righteousness through faith in him. You know, there are five or six references to Scripture in this portion of Scripture. And if you begin to look at it, he's breaking it down. He says in there, he says, believed God. He's talking about faith. He then goes on to say it's justified by faith once again. Then he says all nations, which is about the Gentiles. Then he talks about the fact that it's by faith, not by works. Then he goes on to talk about that it is Jesus who redeems you. So what does he say? He says it's not about the law. He says it's about faith. And the person who you put your faith in is Jesus Christ because he's the one that has redeemed you. Whoa. How often... Do we base our convictions based off what the Word says? Because that's what we should do. And what I love about this is that Paul knew the Word and now was using it to defend the Gospel of Jesus Christ. What happens is I believe in our society today, we we have an abundance of information that isn't necessarily scriptural and based off the Word. You can Google anything. Last night I was watching the football with my dad and he goes to me, Tony Locker kicked 1,500 goals. Now that's typical of a Chris because he's only kicked around 1,300. How do we know we Googled? But what happens is these days you can get information uh, based on anything, but it's not necessarily information that has come from the mouth and the heart of God. Paul, in this circumstance, what is he doing? He is using Scripture in order to defend his faith. So here's a practical application for our community. If someone was to come up to you and and say to you, what's your opinion on marriage? Have you got an answer based out of the word? You know what's relevant to our society right now? is an unborn child. What does the Bible say about children in the womb? How are you basing in your life something that you're able to then answer based of scripture? Their marriage is under attack. Unborn children are under attack. You know what? What about the presence and need for the body of Christ, the church? What does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about faith in Jesus Christ and how he actually came to restore the world to God? What I love about Paul's example, in this scripture is he knew his Bible and he used it to defend his faith. I want to encourage you. Why don't you go home? Do it really simply. And you know what? You can actually, uh, I want you to do a few things. Why don't you pick five things in your life Uh, that maybe you want an answer to you know for me i always think about well what's the point of an eldership what does the bible say about an eldership why can't i go rogue well the bible talks about governance it talks about accountability talks about many things why do i have an eldership because the bible tells me to you know what i mean you know there'll be some young guys out there you need to know why god says it's not good for concubines anymore i'm just saying There are things in there that you need to know about the Word of God. So why don't you go home? Why don't you write five things down? Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's finance. Maybe it's accountability. Maybe it's mentorship. Maybe it's business. There can be several different things in your life. Then what I want you to do is why don't you talk to people who are in this community about it. Why don't you begin to research it, whether it's a word study. You can use Google to help you. What does the Bible say about marriages? Then grab that scripture. Bring it to like-minded a community and begin to implement it into your life so that when you go, you're ready to answer. Do you know the Bible talks about that the Word is the sword of the Spirit. This is your defense against the attack of the enemy. Why you need to have this in your life is this is your arsonary to attack the enemy. You need to have it. You need to be locked and loaded. You need to be ready to go. Paul was ready to go. It then goes on to talk about in verses 15, and I may move a a bit quicker, but I think that this is worth settling on. Remembering that the context of what Paul is doing in Galatians right now is defending why faith in Jesus Christ is the way and not by using the law. There are people that are trying to add things. So what is he doing in context here? He is defending faith in Jesus Christ as the only way. So in the bottom end of verse fifteen, it says this, uh, brother. Verses fifteen, brothers and sisters, let me take an example of everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. Okay. So what I want to talk about real quick in this, and I'll summarise it because I feel like I'm talking really fast but I want you guys to read uh, the next portion of, of Scripture this week. But effectively, what, what's going on in this moment is he's talking about how if there is a covenant that has been established in our modern day society, let, there's slight differences, but let's say if there is a contract that has been established and it has been signed off by both parties. Uh, so whether for example it's, hey, I, I've got a contract for the sale of my house. So what happens is I have agreed that uh, for $500,000, I would sell my house. A party has come in. They've agreed we've signed a contract. Once that contract is signed, that party can't come in after the contract has been established and say, but you've got to leave the furniture in the house. Or I can't come and say, oh, by the way, I'm taking the blinds and I'm taking all the plaster with me when I go. You can't add to a contract once it's been duly established. Does does everybody understand where I'm going just at the moment? Okay, so what I need is I need um, David and I need uh, Dan, if you guys could come up the front uh, for a moment. Uh, If you guys could please um, come quickly, bring the wigs and come right up here. All right, everyone I want to introduce you to Abraham beautiful if you could write Abraham on there dal that'd be nice and we'll give Abraham a Jamaican um a Jamaican all right there you go so yeah if you take your hat off there you go everyone say hello to Abraham you can be Moses because you know you're slight cousins so there you go you've got your dreadlocks as well all right so let me explain what's going down, and then put Moses. See what happens is I I do all this stuff off the cuff. This is the problem I have, and then um, right under Moses' law. Sorry, darl, darlin', can I have can I have Moses, please, babe? And then under Abraham, I want you to write promise. Okay, that's that's for you, Moses. I've changed my mind. You're Abraham. Okay, good. All right, so let me try and explain how Paul is defending what's going on. So what the Bible talks about here is Abraham is the man of faith. What happens is God comes and makes a covenant with Abraham That he was going to bless Abraham and his seed. Now, the Bible talks about uh, when you read it, seed is referring, not seeds as in many people, but the seed is referring to Jesus Christ. So, God is making a covenant with Abraham that he will bless Abraham and his seed. The blessing will come through Jesus Christ. So, what happens is he says, You've been made righteous by faith. It says that in the word of God, that he was made righteous through faith. And then what happens is because of that, God makes a covenant directly with him. God makes a promise directly with him. Now, we know in Hebrews uh, chapter uh, 6, verse 18, that it actually talks about, I like the, um, centri- the English version, it talks about that it says, God's promises cannot be broken. God cannot break a promise that he's made. So, he has made a promise and a covenant with Abraham that he had been made righteous through faith. So, because he had been made righteous through faith in Christ, we all know the story where he goes to sacrifice Isaac. He doesn't do it, he's going to do it because of faith in God. God makes a covenant to bless him. Okay? It's been duly established. So if it's been duly established, we know that in the Word it's said that you can't add anything to a covenant once it's already been established. But isn't it interesting that the law that was given to Moses came 430 years later? So therefore, if the covenant had been established, the promise is not reliant on the law because the law came after so these guys are speaking into a life of a community saying, no, no, you need to have the law. You need to have Jesus and the law. But Paul is standing and he is saying, no, 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 no. Once it's been established, you cannot add to it later. Thank you, Moses and Abraham. Keep the wigs on, I'm feeling them. So when you look at that, yeah, give him a hand, give him a hand. Do you know what I find incredible about this portion of scripture as you read it is that, you know, when the law was given. There's a heap of things going on. He's talking about how the law was temporary. It was, it was for a season. It, it was given to fulfill something until maturity had come. He, he goes on to talk about how when, when a child is an heir but he's less than 18 and his parents may ha- have uh, died and left him an inheritance until the specified time. You know, that child has the same rights as a slave because they're under a guardian and he's referring to the guardian being the law. But when they come of age and they come of a specific time, when, they, when Jesus Christ came and they were able to accept righteousness through faith in Him, they came into maturity where they would receive the inheritance. But, but here's where I, I want to bring an application. In the Scripture, it talks about that the law was given by God to angels to a mediator, which was Moses, and then to the people. So they got it third hand. The law was received third hand. But with the covenant that Abraham received, it came directly from God. And do you know that we live in the blessing of righteousness through Christ, the, the blessing of that covenant, which means that we have direct access to the Father. It's not forthhand and by rules. It's by faith and it's by relationship. So as I pondered this week and I thought about my first experience with Christ, I thought about my need to know more about the word in order that I can let it build my defense. I can let it build my convictions in life. I realized this third thing is that what am I doing with direct access to the Father? Am I taking it for granted? Because I don't want to. The fact that I can enter his throne room with confidence and boldness because of the promise that he has given me that is found in Jesus. He is the hope of the world because he is the one that made a way for me to be restored to God. So I stood here and I stand here and I thought about it during the week. Do I take my relationship with God for granted? It's blessing upon blessing. It is literally the reason we are existed, to exist. It's the reason why we are created. But yet, do I go up my day? I'm just being transparent. And I, and I often, I, I hit lunchtime and I think, have I, even, have I even spent time with God? Have I even thought about my relationship with Him? Have I even thought about the blessing that has come through Jesus Christ? Because I, I don't want to add anything to it. I want to bring it right back to my first experience where I knew He loved me, where I knew His grace and His mercy for my life. We need to get back to this place as a community. We need to get back to this place. There are going to be factors and there are going to be obstacles and there are going to be things in our life that will distract. But you know what? I want to know who God is because I walk in His promises for my life. And I know that His promises don't change. Teagues, I might get you to come up. So what happens is it goes on and there's some, some other things Um, that are that are going on but i I want to um i I want to finish with this they're they're in verse 21 of chapter 4 he begins to make a an illustration he begins to talk about uh two people and then he begins to bring uh the connection uh with the symbolism of it all now god needed to be revealing this to paul because you have to be very careful with symbolism you can't go hey because it was you know uh, a pig it meant bacon like you have to be very careful uh with symbolism But see, this is in the Word of God because we know that every word that is in here was by the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to Paul in this moment. And I I think it paints a picture of where people are at and where people should be. So we know the story of Abraham. God gives him the promise of a son and of an heir and of many, many children. But what happens is sometimes with God's promises is they take time. They take time. Now remember, he is rationaling the faith that comes through Jesus Christ and not the law. This is the context of what we're talking about. So he begins to share about Hagar and Sarah. Now we know the story is what happens is Abraham is waiting on this child and it won't come. So Sarah says, why don't you take my servant as your wife? Uh, Then that way you may get a seed through her. See, what they're already trying to do is they're trying to make out the plan of God by their own means. That was never the plan. It was to be received as a gift because of a promise, because of a covenant and a love that God had made with His people. So what happens is he marries Hagar and he has a child and the child's name is Ishmael. Then many years after uh, they've had the child Ishmael, the son of the promise, Isaac, Sarah becomes pregnant. The promise of God, well beyond her barren years, well out of human understanding, but yet God comes through with His promise and they have the son of the promise, Isaac. But then what happens? is as we read the story and we, we, we know it in Genesis is that Ishmael begins to pay out a little bit on, on Isaac and, and, and pay out a little bit. Uh, so what happens is Sarah, Isaac's mum, says they have got to go. Hagar and Ishmael, they've got to go. They're not going to inherit what Isaac needs to inherit. Now what's really cool is I was reading a commentary this week that began to explain it in terms that were far better than I could come up with. Um, I wanted to, uh, it was the, the Weesby's commentary. But what happened is it, it, it began for me to understand uh, in a better picture what was going on. And, and, and if you have a look here, Hagar and Sarah represent the law versus grace. Ishmael and Isaac represent flesh versus the spirit. So what's interesting about the scenario is, is pretty much this. Where there is grace and the Spirit, the law and the flesh can no longer dwell. They've got to go because they will not inherit what God is passing on. So what happened is there is a picture of what was the law and what was the flesh was for a period of time, but they will not inherit what God's promise is. They have to go and what's left is grace and the Spirit of God that guides our life. And from which we receive the inheritance. Do you know that the the Spirit is the evidence that we've received Christ? I want to walk in that. I want my life to be under God's grace and led by the Holy Spirit. I don't need the law. I don't need the flesh. And what's really interesting is if you look at that, Ishmael and, and, and Isaac were fighting and then Paul's about to go on to talk about how the spirit and the flesh are always at war with one another. We'll talk about that next week and some application to our community. But as I was talking with my father about this last night, it was really cool how he talked about how you, you've got the Ark of the Covenant and and, and you've got the law that sits in the, the Ark of the Covenant, but above the law is the mercy seat. And, and isn't it interesting that God's mercy in this picture sits above the law? God's grace and His mercy is above the law. Do you know why it's above the law? Because God made that promise before the law even existed. The law was a guardian to try and keep us in a covenant until a time where that covenant wasn't needed anymore because now we have Jesus and that's the era we live in right now. Let's not take for granted His mercy. Let's not take for granted His word. Let's not take for granted the leading of the Holy Spirit because we get to walk in grace and we get to be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's stand for a moment. I might invite just the singers to come. In preparing this week, what I felt the Lord kept presenting to me is first love, first love. In the beginning, in the beginning, when you experienced the Spirit and God worked miracles, was it by what you had believed or the law? By what you had heard or the law? Because we know that the founding answer of that is because of an experience with Jesus Christ, they received the Holy Spirit and were set free. It was that first love. It was that first moment. And for me, I want to return to that place. So we've got a few minutes left together, but I will not be rushed in this moment because we have an opportunity right now to express our love to our Father, that we walk in His grace, that we don't have to abide by rules and holidays and customs. We need to be in relationship with Him. We need to know His Word, but it's not because we need to know the rule because it's religious. We need to know the Word because we love Him and we want to be closer to Him. Do you want to bring the lights down for a moment? Thank you. What we're going to do is we're going to sing. But what I, it's funny. This is a great song choice. Whoever chose them, is, well done. Listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit, because what, what can happen is that God can pour in for a season, but, but I want God to do a new work in the life of us yes. all. I want, God, I want to be new wine. I want to be a new wineskin in order that God can pour something new. Really, when you look at that scripture, the principle is God can't pour something new into something old. So I want to open up my heart and my mind and my spirit, and I want to say, God, renew in me what you need to renew in order that I can be refilled, in order that I can experience you in a new way. Lord, bring me back to that first encounter. Bring me back to that first love. So, we're going to begin to sing, and I want to encourage you. Why don't you raise your hands as we can start? Start as soon as it works in the song. Come on, let's raise our hands together if you're able. And let's begin to sing God, declare make it. Make me a vessel, make me an
1: offering. Keep singing
0: church. I'll invite the rest Make of the band to come up.
1: You want me to be. Keep singing. Lord, I came here with
2: nothing. But all you have given me. Jesus,
1: bring you wine. Out of me.
0: Make me a vessel. Think about the words that you're singing. Think about what you're declaring. Spirit, do something new in me. I don't want to be the same. I don't want to grow dry. I want to continue to just experience your fullness and your love. Thing we're going to do just in a moment and this will be a consistent theme in the future of our community is I feel that there always needs to be a response you know it's funny I went through a period uh, when I was full-time nursing oh, I was still ministering in Geelong but but what had happened is I, I had almost stopped responding uh, on, a, on, a, on a Sunday or when there was an opportunity, uh, I don't know, I don't know, still dialoguing the actual cause. I don't know whether it was pride or whether it was tiredness or or, or, or whether it was uh, just busyness. But I actually stopped responding uh, to, to God. And, and what happened is I got to this moment of con- conviction where I'm like, no, God, I need to put it out there before you that I, I want you to move. So what I want to do right now is very simple. And you don't need to be down here long. But if you want to respond, that you want to get back to your first love. It doesn't matter if it's two people. It doesn't matter if it's ten. What matters to me as I lead this community is that there's genuineness in your heart. Please don't grow dry. Please don't be limited by the structure. But be limited by what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. So, what we're going to do is we're going to continue to sing this song. I believe that there are people in this community that by faith you need to come and present yourself to God by saying, I want to return to my first encounter. I want to return to my first love. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to come right now down to the front and then we'll begin to continue to sing.
1: Make me an offering.
0: Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come? Feel us in you. Keep singing worship team, worship our God. Come on, communities. He's in this place. The Spirit is broken open. He's pouring out peace. He's pouring out love. He's pouring out joy. There are people in this room that need to be reassured of their salvation. He's doing that right now. The Holy Spirit is evidence in your lives that you have given it to christ
1: So I now surrender. You are breaking new lines. So I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to.
0: speak in a heavenly language if you speak in tongues when you begin to do so right now the Holy Spirit is here grace is in this place mercy is in this place joy is in this place peace is in this place cause you are in this place Lord God do something new in us Father We ask for your breakthrough, Lord. Begin to sing. Make me this is our last moment vessel. for today. Thank you, Father. Make me your offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. A refreshing in Jesus' name. New joy in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being with us this morning. Please, I want to encourage you, if you need any information about our church at all, there'll be people in front of the TV in the middle of the foyer. Please go and see them. Stick around for a coffee. And next week, we finish the third week of our Galatians series. We love you. Right now, Lord God, I just pray blessing over every person in this place. Thank you that finance is going to arrive this week. Thank you that healing is going to arrive this week. Thank you, Lord, that you are in control and we live a life that is led by you. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.